We turn in the scriptures to Psalm 119. We'll begin reading at verse 49 and read through verse 64. Verses 59 and 60 are the text. Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. The proud have had me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from thy law. I remembered thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. I have remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night, and have kept thy law. This I had, because I kept thy precepts. Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. The bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. I am a companion of all them that fear thee, and of them that keep thy precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. You look back to verse 59 and verse 60. I thought on my ways, and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste, and delayed not to keep thy commandments. If there's something that we are doing constantly, it would be thinking. We're always thinking. We can't stop thinking. Sometimes it feels as though when we're trying to go to bed at night and get our rest, we just can't stop thinking. The mind keeps racing. And even throughout our sleep at night, we dream. The mind is processing things. The mind is busy, even as it rests. We're always thinking. So we go through the day, we're thinking about the things we have to do, the plans that we have, the experiences of the day, what's coming, what's behind us, so many things to think about. Form for the administration of the Lord's Supper has called us to think about something very important. To make space in our busy thinking for self-examination. And to guide us in that, we come to this passage in Psalm 119, which is really a call to self-examination as well. The psalmist says, I thought on my ways. He took stock of himself. He thought about his life. He looked himself over. 
He examined himself and turned his feet unto God's testimonies and made haste and delayed not to keep God's commandments. That's what we are called to do in the week ahead. Now, of course, that's not limited to just a week of self-examination. Really, examining ourselves, thinking on our ways should be a spiritual life discipline. It's a spiritual life skill. It's something we should be doing all the time. We're thinking all the time, and there's all kinds of things that vie for our brain space, but something that should receive a regular portion of our brain space and our mental energy is thinking upon our ways, reflecting on how I'm living in light of God's word and before his face, so that we may see our sin. And be driven to the cross where we find the forgiveness of sin. And that we may go from the cross to live a life of grateful obedience. Really, you look at our text here and you see the three main parts of the catechism, which are the three parts of saving knowledge, which are the three main parts of the Christian life. Guilt, grace, gratitude. Knowing our sin. Knowing Christ who has delivered us from our sins. And then responding with fruits of thankfulness. And that's self-examination too. As we prepare to come to the table of the Lord, we need to see our sin so that we come to this table hungry for Christ. Christ, who is our salvation. And knowing Christ, we want to glorify Him, how we live. Gratitude then motivates us day by day to think upon our ways. But now to guide us in self-examination this week, and to instruct us in this spiritual life skill. Let's turn to the words, the inspired words of the psalmist in verses 59 and 60. Consider this text under the theme, thinking upon our ways. Thinking upon our ways. Notice first, pondering. We'll look at what it means to ponder our ways. Second, turning. And then finally, hastening. Pondering, turning, hastening. The psalmist says, I thought... Upon my ways. What are these ways of which the psalmist speaks? Is he simply talking about looking at a map, pondering the way he's going to go to get from point A to point B in Jerusalem? No. Ways here, or way, is one of the outstanding biblical figures for your life. For your life. It's a suitable figure too. A way is a road, a path, a trail that you take from one place to another. A road has a starting point. A path has direction and a destination that you arrive at. And so it is with life. Human life, your life and mine, is like a road. It begins at our birth. When God brings us forth into this world, he sets our feet upon life's pathway. And that pathway has direction. And our life's pathway is a meandering, winding road that leads to this place and that. Connecting different things, different places, different people until we reach the end of our road. And for the believer, the end of his road is the doorway into the Father's house of many mansions. Our life is Our way. But now, way or ways doesn't merely refer to our lifetime, the entire stretch 
of the road from birth to our final destination in the Father's house. But our way or ways also refers to our way of life. Or more colloquially, as we'd say today, our lifestyle. And that's really the focus of the text here. That's what the psalmist is talking about. Though, yes, he's pondering the length of his days. He's pondering his lifetime. He's especially pondering his way of life, his manner of living. The way of the text is not just the road, but it is the journey down that road. It is one's walk of life, one's conduct. One's way of living. Now the text speaks of ways in the plural and that intentionally because our course of life has many winding branches to it. And as we walk life's pathway, we conduct ourselves in many different ways. We work, we perform actions, we speak, we live in relationships. We do all sorts of things in this earthly life as God has designed it to be. And so the text speaks of ways so that it encompasses all of this earthly life. Not leaving any area outside of its scope. All of life and all of our conduct in all of life. The road and all of our walking upon that road. That's the ways of the text. Many branching paths we have on our way. Part of the reason for that is, as Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, we all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And here is the reason pondering our ways is necessary. Isaiah 53 verse 6 points out that we have a sheep-like nature and sheep don't naturally stick to the road they're supposed to take. They wander. They go astray. And thus David says in Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24, Search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. He knows that's what he's prone to. Show me if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And that's what we seek As we enter into a week of self-examination, we know our sheep's hearts, that we are prone to stray and to wander. And so our preparatory prayer is, search me, O God, and show me if there is any wicked way that I am now walking on. Some branch that I have taken that has departed from the straight and narrow way that thou dost call me to walk in thy word. Show it to me, and then, good shepherd, With thy rod and staff, guide me back and lead me on the way everlasting. Way, all of life and our conduct in life. Now, the psalmist about his ways says this, I thought on my ways. I thought on my ways. And the instruction of the text then is this, our ways, our life, our conduct ought to be something that is the object Of continuous and regular thought. God's people are people who ponder their ways. The psalmist's approach to life is not this. The approach 
Someone who sits down in an inner tube on a slow-moving river that meanders here and there and just floats along wherever the current takes him. That's not the Christian's approach to life. His approach to life is intentional. There's self-examination. He looks at where he's been, where he's gone. He looks ahead. He examines himself, his own heart, his motives, where he places his feet, his whole walk of life. He ponders. The word think in the text is really a picturesque word. Think here means to take something, to look at it, and to turn it this way in that so that you look at it from every angle. Think of maybe going to the grocery store. You want to buy some apples. And if you're going to pay seven, eight, nine dollars for a bag of honey crisp apples, you want to make sure they're good apples. And so you have that bag in your hands and you're looking at every single angle to see if there are any bruises on those apples. You want the good apples. You're thinking them over. That's the idea of the word in the text. That's the kind of thinking God's people are to have towards their lives, their ways, their manner of living, our thinking, our acting, our desiring, our speaking, all of it. We look ourselves over the way you would look over a bag of apples to make sure not a single bruise or wormhole misses your attention. That's the idea of the text. That's the kind of pondering, thorough self-examination. This is a spiritual life skill. The the way the the text is worded, it, it puts it in the past tense. And so it might leave the impression that this is just something the psalmist did once. I thought on my ways. But really the idea is, this is a regular activity. The psalmist did this over and over again. I thought on my ways. I continually think on my ways. That's what it is to be for us. Why? Because we go back to Isaiah 53 verse 6. Knowing ourselves. Knowing what the Bible reveals about us. We have a sheep's nature. We are prone to go astray. And so we must be constantly thinking upon our ways. So that we may see those sin bruises and wormholes. So that we may see where we are branching out from that straight and narrow way. As pilgrims heading home, we must stick to the path our God has marked out for us. And so to apply this. The simple statement of the psalmist, I thought upon my ways, though it's descriptive of the psalmist's own life, it really is meant to be prescriptive for us. The psalmist made it a regular practice to pause and to ponder as he walked down life's pathway. Regularly he would pause and take stock of himself. And ponder his ways. Think deeply. That's the instruction of the text for us. In all of the busyness of modern life. In all of the busyness of work. 
and all of the busyness of a home, getting kids here and there, school, all the rest, and all of the things that vie for our time, our energy, and for our focus and for our thought, in all of it, pause, pause, regularly pause and think upon your ways. Don't be carried away by the rushing tide of busyness. The earlier illustration maybe doesn't fit us very well. We're not going down a slow, meandering river, relaxing in the inner tube. We're whitewater rafting, and we need all of our attention focused on not falling out of the boat. But even then, pause, ponder your ways, text says. Looking at our lives from every angle means we think deeply. It's very easy to be very surface level with self-examination. So the Pharisees did. Looked at the outside. The outside looks good. Everything must be good. Do reasonably well with family devotions, and that's good. That's good. We attend church regularly. That's good. Let that never be said to be of no consequence. But we, we need to go deeper than that. Deeper than that. Looking past the surface, at our hearts, at our inner conduct, such as, what's my attitude after a busy day at work? How do I often react to problems in the home? Do I often find myself angry? Is my way of dealing with problems to respond with anger? And how many suns have gone down on that anger? Thinking upon our ways means delving into the depths of our hearts and lives and honestly asking and answering the hard questions. Not simply Did we do devotions most nights and come to church on Sunday? Good as that is, but going deeper, deeper. Asking ourselves, how do I handle offense? How do I handle that person in church, person at work, person at school, who just kind of rubs me the wrong way or I don't get along real well well with? What's my goal in life? Why do I go to work? Why do I go to school? What am I living for? What's the direction of my life's pathway? And what do I hope to reach down the road? Is it mammon? Is it merely a comfortable life? Is it the next great thing? What are my priorities? What's worth sacrificing for? You see, we can go on and on. We're called to think upon our ways and to go deep into our hearts and examine ourselves and to take stock of ourselves. What's the spiritual direction of my life? Is it in alignment 
with the pathway that God's word marks out? Or upon reflection, do I see this area and that area where I am branching out on my own way? That's pondering our ways. And you see, when, when we ponder our ways, what's going to happen is we're going to find sin. We're going to. We're going to find bruises and wormholes on our apples. And that leads to the next part of the text. Turning. Turning. The good fruit of pondering, of thinking upon our ways, is turning, the text says. That's the connection between the two parts of verse 59. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. That word and there indicates result. Just like if you said, I made dinner and we sat down and ate. The eating of dinner is the consequence that follows from the activity of preparing it. I thought on my ways and the good fruit of it was, I turned my feet unto thy testimonies. The psalmist, we see, was a believer who loved God, who obeyed his commandments. You just look at the preceding context and you see that. Yet when this saint thought upon his ways, he discovered that he had departed from God's way in various places in his life. And he would not have seen it if he had not thought upon his ways. And that's the crucial point to see. Very often... We're like apples with bruises and wormholes that if you turn us a certain way, you're not going to see the bruise. And we like to do that with ourselves in our lives. Turn things and just look at ourselves from one angle and we don't see what's there. We know it's there. But we can be good at so looking at just one side of us that we forget it's there. We minimize what's there. And The fruit of thinking upon our ways is we're forced to look at ourselves from every angle and we can't ignore those bad spots. We can't ignore those areas where we are departing from God's way. When we think upon our ways, we can't blind ourselves to where we may be entertaining some sin over here over there. And so the psalmist, in pondering his ways, discovered to himself his sins. He discovered that his ways were in some places crooked, and that these sins perhaps had gone unnoticed for a time in his life. Thinking upon his ways was the exercise of spiritual watchfulness. It woke him up to some of his sins, so that he could then turn, turn, and Turning, of course, here is twofold. In the first place, it's turning away. When he thought upon his ways, the fruit was, by the grace of God, he turned from those crooked ways. He turned and came back to the way of God's word. That should be the case for us, too. We must always remember it's really hard to walk in a straight line spiritually. Sin is a spiritual intoxicant. The world and all of its stuff, even though many of the 
things of this world aren't bad in themselves, still they can act like an intoxicant. And in the midst of this world, it can be very hard to walk in a straight line. We ought to expect that rather soon we are going to start veering to the right or to the left. And thus the need for regularly thinking upon our ways so that we see that turn that we're taking and by the grace of God may be corrected and brought back by the rod and staff of the good shepherd, which is his word. If we go through life not pondering, not thinking upon our ways, we very easily get into ruts. And these ruts can make us spiritually stagnant. Just in this old routine, not thinking about it, and faith and faith's life becomes, well, motions we go through. Or we can get stuck in the ruts of sin so that we walk in them and we, we become so accustomed to them that we stop seeing them as sinful. We don't think it's all that bad. That's a, that's a real threat. That's a real threat. And so we see then that the good fruit of thinking upon our ways is that it corrects us. Thinking upon our ways makes us see our sin so that we may turn from our sin. Regularly thinking upon our ways helps us avoid the great melancholy falls that can come upon a man who does not examine himself. Think of David, for example, when he fell into sin with Bathsheba. There is a whole pattern of sins leading up to that. Joab and the army were out fighting wars. Why wasn't David the great warrior king there? Well, he was taking it easy at the palace. Not being the king he should have been. He ought to be thinking upon his ways. I am the anointed king called to be the defender of Israel. I should be on the battlefield, not reclining in my palace, bored apparently, so that I take a stroll up on my palace roof where he sees Bathsheba. And still not thinking upon his ways, he gives in to that temptation and we know how the thing snowballs from there. There's an example of not thinking upon one's ways and how step after step down the path of sin leads to a great melancholy fall. When we think upon our ways, God uses that to show us our sins and correct us quickly. There's good fruit. Of thinking upon our ways. God uses it to turn us from sin. To turn us from the paths of sin before we get far, far down those paths. But now, that's just the negative side of turning. And that's really what's implied in the text when it says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. He turned away. But the emphasis of the text is on what he turns toward. Thy testimonies. What are God's testimonies? Well, God's testimonies refer to his word. The revelation God has given concerning himself. Psalm 119 is all about God's word. You can find a bunch of synonyms throughout the psalm that are used to describe God's word. His law, his judgments, his statutes, his precepts, his testimonies. Testimonies is parallel with commandments in verse 60. 
They're referring to the same thing. But we want to see that testimonies here in verse 59 has a special focus. It refers to all of God's word, yes, but it refers especially to the gospel. The good news of salvation in the Messiah. God's testimonies were the written revelation of God concerning himself. And at the core of God's testimony concerning himself is his testimony of his mighty acts for his people. In Exodus, for example, the book of the law is called God's testimonies. But that book of the law, though it contained the Ten Commandments, all of the civil and ceremonial laws, what was the heart of it? Well, the heart of it was the record and proclamation of God's mighty acts. The exodus, his delivering of his people from the house of bondage. That's what begins the law, the Ten Commandments. The God who delivered his people from the house of bondage. That's at the core of God's testimonies. And that's especially what the text is setting before us. The psalmist thought upon his ways. The psalmist saw his sins and he turns his feet to the gospel, to the testimony of God's saving acts for his people. That's where he went first. That's where he went first. Yes, he will go to God's commandments. That's coming in verse 60. But this first, he goes to the gospel in which is contained the Gracious promises of God for the psalmist. It was the promise of the coming seed of the woman. The Messiah who would be born. The Messiah who is pictured by all of those ceremonial laws. All of the sacrifices in the temple of Jerusalem. All of those pictures that pointed to the coming Lamb of God. Whose blood would cover the sins of his elect. He turned his feet to the testimony of the gospel. And there he found comfort. There he found the sure knowledge of forgiveness and righteousness through the coming Messiah. And having turned his feet to the testimony of the gospel, then he was placed back on that straight way of obedience to God's commandments. That gospel is the power that turns him and puts him back where he's supposed to be. The gospel of Christ. And so in short, God's testimonies at heart are the gospel. And so when the psalmist says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies, we can read it this way, I thought on my ways and saw my sin, and so I ran unto the gospel. That's where he goes, and that's where we need to go as we examine ourselves. This week, we see our sin. See our sin. Turn your feet unto God's testimonies, the testimony of the gospel of Christ, pictured in the Lord's Supper that you're going to come to. And see the forgiveness of those sins and the righteousness, not your own, which is freely imputed to you through the work of Jesus Christ, and that lays hold of your heart, and that lays hold of your feet, and that puts you back on the path. Go to the testimonies of the gospel. That's where we go first. That's where we run. So we see what good fruit, what good fruit comes from thinking upon our ways, do we not? 
when we see our sin, when we see where we have departed, we're humbled. As the form says, we abhor ourselves before God. What's What's next? What's next? Just try to obey harder? Is that next? Well, we'll get there, but that's not next. Don't skip the crucial step. Guilt, grace, gratitude, sin, salvation, service. We need that crucial middle step, which is the bridge between the other two. Grace, gospel, that's what gets us from guilt to the life of gratitude. And that's what we see in the text. We see our own life, our own Christian experience here in the text. The psalmist thinks upon his ways. He sees his sin. He is distressed. He feels that guilt. His heart is made contrite within him. And by faith, he turns his feet to the testimonies of God, the gospel of Christ. And basking in the comfort of that gospel, his feet are then directed to obey God's commandments. That's what self-examination is meant to accomplish in us. What good fruit, what good fruit it brings. And so let's be diligent in that this week. Diligent in it, following week, following week. Spiritual life skill. Thinking upon our ways. Seeing our sin. Fleeing to the cross. There at the cross, ponder and think upon His ways. Jesus' ways. Look at that cross. And look at the Christ with the eyes of faith and turn it this way and that so that you view it from every angle and see the diamond of divine grace in all of its beauty. Look at Jesus' ways. His ways of perfect obedience, fulfilling all righteousness for you. His footsteps from the moment of His incarnation all the way to His death on the cross and His resurrection. How every moment of His earthly way was spent Working your salvation. Think upon how God thought on your ways. And rather than forsake you and me, obstinate sheep that we are, rather than forsake us to follow the devices of our own hearts, He sent this Christ to suffer and die and pay for our sins and prepare the spiritual feast of salvation blessings which will be pictured on this table. Think upon God's ways and adore Him. Rejoice in Him. When you thought on God's ways, you're ready for verse 60 and hastening. I made haste. Notice the connection here. This follows out of Psalmist having turned his feet to the testimonies of God. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. And I dare say, that doesn't really even have to be explained because we understand that experientially. 
We know that. We felt that. When we behold the Christ and we behold His salvation and we know what He's done for us, we want to rush forward in thankfulness to Him. Make haste. Delay not. It's a typical Hebrew expression that gives intensity. I'm not going to procrastinate here. I may procrastinate on other things in my life, but not this. I am going to make haste to obey His commandments, to conform my life to the pathway marked out in the Bible, to walk in straight alignment with the Ten Commandments and the will of God. I make haste and delay not without hesitation to keep His commandments. I'm not going to drag my feet. I'm not going to just think about it. To do it. Because I'm grateful. I'm joyful. And I understand the words that the same psalmist wrote earlier in Psalm 119 Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thy commandments are sweeter than honey, more precious than silver and gold. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light. Unto my path. And suddenly the law of God which exposed our sins. Becomes this beautiful delightful thing that we love. It's our road map for the rest of life. The road map for grateful living. The road map for glorifying our Savior. And we can't move our feet quick enough. Having turned to his testimonies. We rush make haste. To keep his commandments. As we examine ourselves in the upcoming week, that should be one of the fruits we feel in ourselves that desire to have our lives made more holy. Use the catechism's language. Guilt, grace, gratitude. We see the beautiful relationship between these. We see our sins and miseries when we flee to the cross and when we see The fullness of the cross and what it means for us. Gratitude becomes an unquenchable fire in the heart. The most powerful motive for sanctified living that there is. Gratitude to the God of our salvation. So that our feet rush. We can't delay. The time is now. We're not going to be like Felix said to Paul. At a more convenient season, I'll hear what you have to say and maybe think about walking in the ways of this God you talk about. No, we hasten and delay not. That's repentance. That's daily conversion. Not dragging our feet. Hastening. Delaying not. That's what grace does with us. So as we come to the Lord's table... Let the words of our text be your confession. And when you come to this table, be able to say, be able to say, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Now I make haste, no delay, to keep thy commandments. Seeing what Jesus has done for me, I can do nothing else. I 
can do no other. Amen. Faithful God and Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this instructive word in Psalm 119, simple as it is, yet also profound. Apply this word to our hearts as we examine ourselves in preparation for the Lord's Supper. May we think upon our ways. May we see our sin. May we turn from that sin and turn our feet unto the testimonies of thy gospel and ponder the wonderful ways of Jesus Christ and all of his finished work that has accomplished our salvation. Having basked in the light of the cross, may we make haste and delay not to keep thy commandments, to make thy law the rule of our life, to correct those places, those areas where we have gone astray. May we find it indeed delightful to take thy way, which only is good. Bless us as we prepare and make the Holy Supper next week to be a powerful means of grace, the strengthening of our faith. This all we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.